Well, hello and welcome back. Season 2 of Behind the Cross is here. Yes, it's me, Gary Jerry, once again. And I hope you're all doing well. Thank you so much for clicking that download or that play button and returning back to Behind the Cross. So we had 10 incredible episodes in Season 1 and I'm looking forward to carrying on. The last series finished in the summer and I've had a little bit of time away from the podcast. But the nice thing that I've noticed is that people are still listening to it, even though there are not new episodes coming out until now. And I'm absolutely delighted to be back and launching a brand new season. This season will be more of the same, really. Lots of incredible people, friends, colleagues, friends of friends. And uh, I've had lots of amazing, lots of amazing ideas for uh, great guests. Thanks to all of you lot out there. So thanks very much. Um, If you do want to get in touch, as always, behindthepros at gmail.com. That's behindthepros, pros spelled P-R-O-S-C at gmail.com want to say a big thank you as always to uh, the fantastic Buzzsprout who've been hosting us since day one when we started in February. Big thank you to Itan Epstein Music and of course we thank Jared Page at Stagey Pagey, an incredible designer of artwork and his artwork will continue throughout this second season. Let me know what you think of it. Always keep in touch via the socials at Behind the Pross, both on Instagram and Twitter, or give me a shout on Facebook, or again by the email address behindthepross at gmail.com. So, episode one begins with a dear friend of mine. We trained together at Art Ed. He, uh, he got me through a lot of uh, fun uh, times and also some bad times when I was at college. Um, the incredible Robbie Durham. And Robbie has basically had the career that I wish I'd had so far. He's such a talented acting musician, very versatile. And I was really excited to chat to him at the time of recording this. It's uh, November 2019, and I spoke to him two days ago. Um, We spent some time in uh, Picture House Central in Piccadilly Circus and uh, we sat and had coffee and basically just had a really good catch-up. It's been about four or five years since I've seen Robbie so uh, after the podcast finished we did stay and chat even longer so it was a real pleasure. Enjoy the podcast. I love that you're doing this, but I think it's really cool. Thanks very much. Because it's, it's one of these things that, like, you've always think, oh, that'd be a good idea to do. And then yeah. people actually do it, and it's like, oh, okay, they've done it. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. I always wanted to do a podcast, and it just um, never came about, really, until now. And I just thought, well, why not? I've got a little bit of money to pay for a microphone. Yeah. And um, that's, I just started with one of those, what they call them, Yeti mics. And straight into the laptop. Into the laptop. So when was the last time I saw you? What was it, about four or five years ago? Oh my word. The last time I can remember coherently seeing you probably was when you lived with our mutual friends, Sam, Sam and Tim. Tim in Ealing, yeah. Yeah, God. From, from Art's Ed days. 
Heady like days. Six years ago. Yeah, that's God. Six years ago. I mean, the, the whole the whole thing about when we were trained now is like almost the decade anniversary now. So, do you do you feel do you feel like it's gone quick, or do you feel like it's been forever? Yes, I feel like it's gone quick, yeah. very quick, and that's not because uh, I've been doing anything in particular, but I just feel like <laughs> my, feel feeling my age and. Um, Maybe it is the nature of the industry that you've just things move so fast and you're constantly looking ahead and you're con- and you don't have much time to to sit and reminisce. So you so yeah, it just passes you by. Is it weird when you look at new graduates now and think, God, I used to be like that. Yeah. Well, I think was I like that? <laughs> I always thought I was this uh, someone that maybe I'm not. But well, I'm working with some new graduates. No, not new graduates, but new into the industry, and um, they're they're so incredibly talented. And I'm like, God, oh, what's what what's what chance does oldies have? You know, now I class myself as an oldie. At the time of recording, it's November 2019, and you are currently in. Well, tell us about it. Tell us how. Tell us what you were up to. Where we are right now, or career-wise, both. Or Why not? Let's go for both. Well, we are in the Picture House <laughs> Members Club, Picture House <laughs> Central in uh, Central London, which is, as I was saying, like my central. Uh, base of operations in London. <laughs> it's very nice. It's very lovely, and it's really quiet. And you you can look down on Piccadilly and Haymarket, and um, and you can just feel like a, 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 a distance from it all, but you can still be part of the throng of it all. And there's a roof terrace upstairs, which is probably not nice enough to go on today, but mm. it's uh yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time here. And your pre-show, so you've got a show tonight. Got a show tonight, yeah. And so the show is. I am doing High Fidelity at the Turbine Theatre in Battersea, the inaugural musical production. And how's that, that going? How, 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 um, what's it like being the inaugural musical somewhere? Is it, is it quite a lot of pressure or is it well, good fun? It is good fun. And you know what? They have put together a mighty cast and crew and creative for, for, for the space and for, uh, the size of the theatre. Um, they've got some, Really, like I—I've never felt hugely out of place, but I was like, "Wow, these people are amazing." Yeah. Um, have have had these extensive career. We're all we're all fairly young, mm. but because that's what the show needs. But uh, it's been it's been it's been a real learning curve again because it is a new show and it's a new theatre, and everyone's there is, is is finding their feet. And as as a show, we're kind of really proud of what we got, but. It's had really mixed reviews and um, very good reviews, though. Yeah. So it's gone from one to five, which is actually quite like. But it, it's one of those things, and I'm exactly the same as you, I imagine, where you know you can have a million brilliant reviews, but it's like yeah. the one or two who, like the certain words, like I've talked to people in podcasts before where they say they can still pinpoint certain words from <laughs> 20 years ago, 30 years ago, in the Daily Telegraph or other other newspapers are available, but you know it's. It's um, it's crazy how it can linger. Or oh my god! Things. The, the one of my first things I did, well, no, second things I did was a profit share at upstairs at the gatehouse, which was wonderful. <laughs> and all I can take, no, I had a great time, and um, it was a brilliant show. And I was playing Bill Calhoun in Forty Seconds, uh, no, Forty Seconds ago, Kiss Me Kate, and um, he's a Broadway hoofer. And I got the job, and I was I did all the dance calls, and it was fine, and um, but. I got the job, I think, partly vocal because I sang the songs and it suited me quite well. Yeah. <laughs> but 
I don't know if you remember me from Art's Head, but I, I wasn't a Broadway hit for a standard. <laughs> um, so we kind of, sort of had to figure out how I was going to do this big dance break and things. And um, it ended up, I ended up being really happy with what we had. We had this amazing tap choreographer, Kate Gray, who's done, uh, she's just been in Cats at Kilworth. And um, we got we got through it. But all, all I remember from that is one review, for, I think it was maybe Broadway Baby or something, I can't remember, that said, uh, I was puffy and bland. And, and nothing else mattered. And I was, I, I had just gotten a new agent. I'd been out of work for a, a little whack. So I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> and, oh. um, I, yeah, it just uh, stuck with me. Cause that was my, fu- that was my first named review. Yeah. Where I, well, I did have been reviews, but that was one that first etched itself into my memory. <laughs> so, so going back a little bit and kind of, we've talked about the fact that we, we trained together at Artsed. Yes. What got you to Artsed in the first place? God, that's a long story. It's not. <laughs> I got into where I'm from in Scotland, musical theatre, theatre acting as a as a an actual career opportunity isn't established or re- highly regarded in any means at all. So, right. I fell into it by chance. Um, I remember watching the high school production when I was about to go to high school, Erlson High School, which does fantastic theatrical productions for the scale of it. Um, and I saw this guy who I knew was like a big rugby player jock guy, mm. Kelly Brown. He ended up playing for Scotland, actually. Um, he was playing Danny in Greece. Or was he playing Kinnicky? Maybe he was playing Kinnicky, actually. But right. And I remember like, oh, my God, he's like a rugby player, but he's also this guy in Greece. Mm. And he's so cool. And everyone loves him. <laughs> and I was like, that has to be me one day. <laughs> and and it, it started, so how old were you when you got into theatre? Were you someone from like when you were really little or was it something no, as a teenager? No, not at all. Or? So as I say, like rugby was what I grew up on. Rugby music, I'd always played music. So, um, my dad was a musician and so there was always music in the house and piano was my thing. But um, it was high school and my brother had joined South Pacific at the, the the high school production, I was like, do you know what? He's doing this year. I'll give it a go. And I think I was about 15. <laughs> and I loved it. And I absolutely loved it. And I just thought, how can this be a thing? Like, I get to dance around on stage and um, sing these songs and perform with all these other people. And I love the sort of camaraderie of it all. And nice. and uh, and then <laughs> and then the director of it said, you're quite a good dancer. And I was like, well, I'm going to be a dancer then. <laughs> Having never having played rugby for fifteen years, but so when you when you got to Artsed, was that your first year of auditioning, and it was your first because obviously uh, some people who listen to the podcast are people who either want to get into it or who are in the process of trying to get into it. Yeah, um, was it a place that you um, had set your sights on, or was it just a place that you went to and you went, oh, I've got it? Yeah. Well, no. Uh, my first my first place I set my sights on was Motherwell <laughs> College. And that was actually because a girlfriend of mine had gone there the year previous to me. Young love. Young love, yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to follow her footsteps. And, <laughs> and, I, and, that, and that year, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just knew I, I think I wanted to do it. It's the only thing that's kept my attention this long. Right. And so I auditioned for Newcastle College oh, the same year you would have auditioned for it. That's right, yeah. And I auditioned for Motherwell. And I was really keen to go to Newcastle because uh, it had just been refurbed, like a multi-million pound refurb. Yeah. But then someone said something about the singing at Motherwell. That was, and I thought that was that's probably where I should focus my strengths because I wasn't the most confident singer. And so me and my friend from high school went to Motherwell for two years, and that's where we really found out what the industry was about, and that there were places like Mount View and Artshead and Guildford and uh, and all these massive schools that specialise in this. And it's mm-hmm. like 
it been hidden from us this whole time. Well, for me anyway, yeah, I had yeah, no, yeah. I had no idea, and I just, I just loved being on stage and part of this thing, uh, as well as playing rugby. <laughs> so it was, it was just, a, it was a mix, and then you, you got into our third, and we, I mean, there's. Uh, probably countless stories of the time that we spent. Yep, forgot them all. Heady days. Isn't it weird though? Because <laughs> it, it wasn't that long ago, and it, it, like, I, know. I, I, I teach there, and it, it's weird being in the building and thinking that we've been away for it a lot longer yeah. than we were there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it, it, but it be yet it feels so. Uh, it was such a mainstay of our life, like the most important moment of life, technically, yeah. or career-wise, at least. So you, you, we had three marvelous years together, yes. in which we had the pleasure of singing, playing, being in shows together. We yeah. did how many shows? We did three shows together. Were we in all our same shows together? Yeah, we did our house, we our did house, spring. spring awakening, and but then Grand Hotel, I left. Oh yes, that's right. Just before it started. So. Which I was sad about. Yeah. I didn't even get to see it. There you go. I mean, you missed an absolute treat. I heard. Um, I'll not hold it against you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and so from there, you left early to go to. Was it I went Dreamboats and Petticoats. Yeah, yeah God. which was another uh, career path thrown at me that I had not anticipated at all. And you are, you know, I hope you don't mind me describing you as a, a, a very accomplished actor musician. You know, there's thank been a, you. There's been a lot of roles where you've had to do both. Yeah. Um, Talk and to me a little bit just before we go into it about obviously you said your your dad played. Yeah, he 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 brought my mum and dad were very different people, and um, my dad, I t- uh, he he left a lot with me musically and yeah. uh, <laughs> character wise, I think. But some people agree. <laughs> but um, so I'd always had hit that from a young early age. He always had. He was a bluegrass musician, so he had a lot of uh, stringed instruments and. Right. He had a big, like he used to try and make me play mandolin when I was five years old, and I was like, "What is this?" Um, but but my mum made me go to piano lessons, which I'm really grateful for because that it's like you know it's like the ballet of dance. It's that you learn piano, you can it gives you a basis for foundation for everything. So I'm very grateful for that, and so that was my main um, focus. And then guitar came because you know when you're trying to be cool and impress people and um, rock bands, so so rock bands became my kind of grouping and I then, suppose so then we moved in the first thing was who did you play in Dreamboat because I, I I can't remember how many times I auditioned for it in a really but, oh yeah like when I first graduated it was like and it's a it's a Bill Kenwright thing I don't yeah. know if he still does it now but it, it, it's um, the idea of uh, you'd be somewhere on the Monday and you get a phone call saying you've got an audition <laughs> on a Tuesday and um, I can't oh my goodness I yeah. can't begin to say how many times um that happened for me with various shows but you you toured with Dreamboats I toured with it for six months straight out of drama school and do you, what was that like jumping from one bubble straight into the uh, the outside world it was I mean at the time it was an absolute like dream come true I remember right. leaving I remember leaving the Grand Hotel rehearsal coming in saying to I think it was it Paul was it Paul Paul Foster. yeah Paul Foster and I was gutted because I really liked working with Paul uh, and I was saying I can't do this I'm really sorry I'm literally just walking out and I think I then went back to friend's house and watched Family Guy and I was like, <laughs> okay, my life is about to change. And it was the next Monday that yeah. I was about to start rehearsals. Oh, yeah, for this quick. I, pl- I played Jeremy, who was offstage keys too, right. and swing, and he covered basically the entire band. Oh, wow. But in my, in my first six months, before I went into the West End with it, it was just the piano and uh, one of the main guys. 
Best Friends, which wasn't an actual musical track actually. So actually, I only played a couple of instruments in the first yeah. in the first uh, production I did of it. But then I went into the West End and I covered the band. And how long were you in the West End with it for? I did it for on and off about a year. We did a and because we had a little break, and then we did a little Christmas bit. Right. Um, I I went into that <laughs> because. Uh, they needed someone to be, uh, swing, cover the band, and I was like, I just finished a tour. I remember Keith asking me, "How's your drums?" And I was like, "Oh, well, I used to, used to play drums in a rock band at high school, but you know, not professionally." He was like, "So have you played them?" I was like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Okay, do you think you can do it?" I was like, "Sure, <laughs> why not?" It. Said yes, and then oh suddenly. Uh, but the thing is that when I went in, they were like, "The guy playing drums in the show never goes off." He's right. a consummate professional, and he was, and he was an incredible drummer. So don't worry about that. Just focus on the guitar, the bass, the piano. <laughs> I went on for the drums <laughs> so much oh <laughs> in God. that run. It was like, I, reg- I, think I probably did about a couple of months of drumming in that, which was great for me. And I got through, and I, you know, and I, and, I, and I did it. And I was so, that was the first time I'd ever really challenged myself like that. Curve, Massive learning curve. And luckily, he, the, the drummer himself, Chris, really helped me and. And, and luckily, I was quite musical, so I, I knew how I knew how to keep a rhythm. I didn't know how to keep a tempo very well, but I knew how to keep. I knew the rhythms, uh, and so I, I got through it. And by the end of it, I was like, "Oh, I could maybe put this on my CV." <laughs> <laughs> put it on the spotlight. Would you yeah. put it under highly skilled? No, I would not. No. <laughs> <laughs> that so star went a long time ago. <laughs> so you talked about touring. Um, are there uh, any favourite places that you've been to when you've uh, you've been out touring or? Um, I love touring. I love touring, and I love to say that I've I've lived all across the UK yeah, yeah. and it's an in, internationally as well. In the UK, I love going to Edinburgh because that's my home city. But I absolutely loved Dublin because I just love the atmosphere and the centre of it and the Borgosh Theatre. And I play the Gate as well, which is two totally different theatres. Yeah, yeah, one's yeah. really old, one's really new, and um, the audiences are fantastic. There, I love going to Brighton because I um, Brighton and Bristol because I just love the atmosphere in those cities. Yeah. And um, in terms of crowds, though, Glasgow's very good. Yeah, well, I imagine they love a good night. Out they do love a good night. <laughs> so, and they will let you know mid scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if they're so well, that's that famous thing, even from Variety, they used to say about Glasgow Empire when it was there was the uh, you could tell if you had a good act when it was they, the, yeah. if they didn't boo you off. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, it, I was chatting to um, my friend Howard, who who also works with Bill Kenwright and the yeah. Sound of Music, and he said, you know, it's like being in one big family. And I've found that from touring in the past, yeah. um, especially you know if it's like six, seven months of going back to back places. You know, it's it's not always going to be a rocky. It, it's not always going to be a great road. You're going to have rocky times and yeah, certain venues where maybe your dressing room's not what you'd hope <laughs> you know the digs you, the, there's a cat which keeps warning you yeah. I don't know you, you forget you're allergic to cats and then suddenly you wake up and oh my <laughs> that happened to me in Canterbury I just like oh no about three or four cats I woke up in the middle of the night and there were cats just on my on my stomach and I was like what I can't breathe I can't <laughs> but you're very cute allergies allergies <laughs> yeah oh you the, yeah I mean I've, st- I've stayed in some shockers some real sho- you get to a point in your career if you tour enough that you go saving money becomes second place to <laughs> comfort and ease and ha- happiness <laughs> like I, I stayed in a formula one in I think it was maybe northampton or something 
and that's like a budget ibis Right. And it's for like you stay there one night and that's it, and then that's you get get out of there. <laughs> and like my plug socket didn't work. Oh. The the shared public toilet showers were like washed self washing, so they were just oh, no. one film of plastic. The, the whole thing was. And the mattress was like a hospital mattress. It was horrible. And I actually got ill that week. And it did. And it showed me. I was like, you, it's it worth every penny to find somewhere at least comfortable and warm and somewhere that you can actually look forward to going back to. So when they say it's a glamorous life as an actor, you, oh, can, yeah. you can fully agree with Oh, that. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's a high a high life <laughs> that we're living. So I'll, I'll be honest, and, and I would say that when we're at college, I, I, I've, I think I've found myself quite closely connected to you. Yeah. I, don't know, I think we've always had quite a... When we were at college, we had quite strong friendship. Yeah, we were, we were pretty easy going, I think. And I think, I, I don't know whether it's because we've got similar personalities or mm. just it's similar aspect on life. And there's plenty of times, and <clears throat> not to embarrass you, um, but where I remember where we've we talked about the future, we talked about things that you wanted to do, and um, probably drunken nights after crew... Um, yeah. yeah, not crew bar. Anything. I think um, college, what was it called? The crew bar. It was called that. No, is it called a crew the student, bar? You mean the student bar, bar, the one that was in the actual... I was thinking of being at sea. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the crew bar. But thinking about... Sea legs, sea dog. having chats outside and, and stuff like that. And there's certain things which I kind of wanted to pick you about. Um, sure. The things that you've done that I'm interested to see how much of a challenge it was. Um, so the first one, and I distinctly remember being in an audition with you for it, is Billy Elliot. Oh my god, we were in audition together, were we? Yeah, we was were. it a dance call? We tapped together and uh, we were literally yeah. side by side. What did you do for that? How long were you involved with Billy? I, I did the last year, and which was an amazing year yeah. to do it. Um, I did it, yeah, so the last year in the West End before it went on tour, um, which was, it was hard because it was we were joining this massive beast and it had been on for 11 years or I think it was 11 years. Um, right. And so there was, you know, everything was the way it was and we came in and we just had to be part of it. But it was also really special because people knew it was the last year and uh, if you've seen Billy Elliot, you'll know how powerful a show it is and who you're part in. It feels like it was the first time I'd ever felt like I was really part of something that really meant something to some people. And um, uh, and also, <laughs> I got the job without even having Jodie on my CV yeah. <laughs> as an accent. So I was like, well, thank you for that. And at the start of the contract, were they aware that this was the last year, or was uh, this yes. something which oh, okay. they, they, they had? Uh, they, they didn't know it was going to be. We, we we cut just under a year. They thought they were going to extend a bit, actually, because but basically, the, before Hamilton came in, they wanted to renew, uh, renovate the whole theatre, and the yeah. whole area was under renovation for the whole time. It was a nightmare. Um, so they knew it was going to come off at least a year and a few months, but we ended up just doing just under a year, I think. And was it? I guess when a juggernaut like that comes to an end mm. it must be quite overwhelming to uh, to be part of it I felt and it's still one of the mo- my favourite moments I've ever had on stage they got the uh, Easington Colliery Colliery Bieber that's it <laughs> band down uh, and they played in Kings which is one of the final numbers and they played uh, a little instrumental during When Billy Leaves and um I don't think, I think there's about maybe 30 of us on stage. I think about four of us were singing. <laughs> the wow. rest of us were crying. <laughs> when, when, and it, it, it felt so, I felt so lucky to be part of that. Because also these, some of these guys have been there for the whole time and this was their lives and this has provided their families and yeah. their family. And so it wasn't just a show. It felt like a, it felt like a, an institution was ending yeah. that had so much love and commitment and 
And you were part of that. And I, and I got to be part of that. And uh, a big part of it as well, you know, I got to play Tony. And that was my first time in covering a big lead like that. And That's intense. That's a, like, when, for those who don't know Robbie, it's, I, I, I come to you when I'm looking for optimism and, and support. Yeah. And, like, I'd still I'm, say that now. You, you, of course we all have bad days. We all have negative days. Sure, for I sure. More often than not, for me, you come across as a quite a positive and uh, um, supporting character. And then when you're playing someone like Tony, who it's volatile. How is it to um, to take such a volatile character on? Oh my god! Um, I did. I thought I was so. My auditions for it. I was actually in Sunny Afternoon at the time, and I was gonna stay at Sunny Afternoon. I was. I was in this job that I loved, and I loved the music in the show, and. Uh, I got the audition for Billy and I was like, do you know what, I should go for that because mm. it's a great show and I know it's ending. Um, and then ended up getting it down, down, I think it was six rounds, five or six rounds. And uh, by the end of it, I was like, oh my God, I need to be in the show. Yeah. And so I had, I had this real energy. And then you get into it and get into the rehearsing for it. And, uh, you, and, and I, I definitely think I, I sat back on my laurels a little bit maybe when I was rehearsing, just because that's how I work. I try and sort of build up to it. And uh, there, was, there was a moment with the director, Julian, when... We might have a problem. <laughs> he said, it, might, it, seems, it seems like a class problem. I was maybe a bit middle class for the character. <laughs> and I just had to cut my thinking. And I, at the moment, I knew I had to cut my thinking. Tony, the character, is, is opposite to me and in so many ways. And I've just got to really uh, challenge myself uh, to give the, that kind of side of him because I like to think, overthink, and I like to try and be sort of quite balanced and objective and... Tony isn't. Tony's passionate and he's volatile and he's uh, 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 he's, he's angry and he's reactionary. he's reactionary and and that's that's part of his charm as well is that he he just he, you, you can't trick him. He just he knows what he wants and he wants to get it and um, and in this and when the stakes are so high like in this, it was a real challenge for me to get up to those stakes. Uh, and I think I hope I did, but um, it was it was a pleasure. Honestly, it was such a pleasure to be in that show. And then I loved it. The the other one to talk about is Million Dollar. Yes. Which is like uh, probably my my dream. And I know. I've chatted to Ben, and I know that you. Yes. We talked about you'd heard the podcast. Um, tell me about Million Dollar Quartet because that's that's a whole different thing in terms of different know, world. Not, yeah. Not just taking on a character, you're taking on a real life uh, legacy institution. He is. He is. Yeah. Million Dollar Quartet was uh, my, was my first lead role. Um, playing Johnny Cash, which was had just come out of Billy Elliot, and so uh, it was polar opposite. And I knew I'd known Johnny Cash, but I hadn't known Johnny Cash in the way that I grew to love him. Um, it was a pleasure to play that man, and and I would do again. <laughs> yeah. It changed my life. I mean, I, I certainly learnt a lot about my own stagecraft and my own um, it was the first time I'd ever done one role right. which was a massive thing for me I hadn't had to learn six tracks and where to stand in six yeah, different places true. on the stage or um, and you so just had to focus on him I just had to focus on him and I had to do him justice and I had to uh, work out how I did that myself and how how I do I don't want to impersonate him but I don't want to but I know there's fans you know Johnny Cash fans are Johnny Cash fans they, they, they know what they love about him and um, but I, you know I, I didn't want to just be trying to do a caricature of him. I wanted to give him some integrity, and then also put myself into it. So it was it was a 
it was learning curve in the sense that I had to sort of find my own style mm. and um, I think I think I think I did I think I did I think I, I, I loved every second of it I mean, it's such a fantastic show it's one of these shows that ping a chord with people you know especially from that generation who loved these people and it was different in those days because you didn't have as many icons to follow and love and um, these were the icons and people still remember that and they still have that place in their heart so this wasn't just singing the songs of Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley and Jerry Lewis it was was performing to an audience that this was their youth their life and their soul Um, so it was really special because people loved it and it's a fantastic show it's a very well written show and you've talked about fans a little bit and yeah. you know you've been in it shows which do have quite a following like quite a few of the shows that you've you know you've been involved in mm. have um, fans who will follow you and mm. get interested in your um, the the tour itself never mind just the show um, yeah have you come across anything in terms of um, and this is not it's not a negative thing but people who you would say are super fans now of Robbie Durham as you've gone on <laughs> I don't think I I don't think I have super fans <laughs> are you being modest yes no I'm not I have I have legions <laughs> um well, Duraminos I don't know what they call them no I don't I don't have super fans but I did have people that appreciated what I did and that was that was really humbling and uh, and I and and I always want to be thankful and grateful for that because they don't have to. They don't have to appreciate what you do and let you know about it and um, support you and come to shows you do that are nothing to do with the reason they enjoy. They just enjoy you as a performer. So that's that's it's 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 an odd thing to have to sort of come to terms with because uh, you are your own worst critic and you're all you know this outside perspective. Um, it can be in- intimidating. So when you have someone that actually <laughs> likes you for what you do and now you as a performer yeah it's 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 really it's really kind and it's a nice part i mean obviously it can go too far yeah. I, I guess and some and there's always recorded instances of that i've never had that though so I, i've been very lucky and i'm and i'm i've never you know uh i've always just been amical as i can and, yeah, and absolutely. Uh, just been grateful and but when you when you look back um, like still very young. It's, this sounds a little bit over the top, mm. but we're coming to the end of a decade at yes. the time of recording. When you look at, back at what we were doing, probably ten years ago to the day, um, did you imagine? You know, when they say, <coughs> how, "What do you? How do you see yourself in ten years' time?" Yeah. Did you? <coughs> did you envision this? No. I envision Broadway, baby. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my um, strengths in this world of show business is adaptability. I never pigeonholed myself. I never wanted to pigeonhole myself, and I wanted to keep all my options open. And that was always something I was very clear about from myself at the start. And uh, so I didn't honestly did not know where I was going to end up. I didn't know if I was going to be good enough to end up anywhere. I didn't because you're at Artside with all these incredible people, and mm, it's a bubble. It's an absolute bubble. You know, you're never quite ready for what's going to happen when you leave. Some, some people work for five years and and, and don't work for two, and, and like, or some people never work and then they go back to another life. Or you know, it's it's just you can't ever be ready. Um, so I think I didn't plan 
to, I, I never, there's rules I wanted, of course, and obviously, you know, I'd love to be on the West End, um, I'd love to travel, travel's always been a bad, big thing, so I've been very lucky in that part as well, in that respect. Um, I'm very grateful for what has happened in the last 10 years. It's not been easy at all, by any means, but um, I've been very fortunate in a lot of instances as well, so... Um, Ten years ago, ten years ago, me would be happy with where I am now, and I think that's important to remember. Even if you're feeling like you know, oh, I'm not getting enough done, or this person is doing more than me in that instance, or it's, it's one of those things as actors, I think, as well, is that we're always looking for the next thing. Oh so my God! We can be doing something <clears throat> incredible in the moment, but then you kind of think, right, well, I'm going to be out of a job in five minutes so yeah. what, what and suddenly that job means nothing anymore because I've not got another one to go into and you're absolutely right when you say you know if we look back at ten years ago the fear of getting one job was a big deal it's like will I reach that goal and then you look ten years down the line and you go right what's the next one yeah it's, it's very strange it's, and that does not change it doesn't I, I certainly think that you it, it, it takes it takes even just longevity in this career takes a steady head and um i and 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 i think what as i say my adaptability to change and go where 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 the work takes me has helped me i think also having a life alongside this world that still gives you meaning and joy and purpose and challenges you i think challenging yourself is constantly is is, is a wonderful thing to do because um being happy in this industry is hard. Being, if you want to use the term happy, because it's it's, it's nigh on impossible. Because even even people at the top of their game, you know, it's it's such a personal thing to be on stage performing to people and doubting yourself and critiquing yourself and comparing yourself all the time. And um, that ha- having a, a strong life alongside this life, I think, is incredibly important nowadays. And not not investing yourself solely into being what you think you should be. I'm an actor, so you know my worth comes from that because. Yeah, we, we've got a lot of uh, friends and, and people we went to college with who, you know, Saturday night are starring in the West End, Monday night they're doing promo. Absolutely, yeah. And that's just it. It's part of the life, and I think um, there's a lot of people that are going into the industry now. There's more people auditioning for drama schools now than ever. Yeah. And there's that kind of um, fear that maybe not a fear. But the competition is so high now, probably more than it ever it's has fierce, been. Yeah. What would your advice be to somebody who <clears throat> um, wants to get into it, um, but are unsure of how to keep going in times where they're not working? Get asked that a lot. We actually had a really good Q and A with a couple of schools on Million Dollar Quartet where they asked this and. I think as a kid, and especially when you're training, you don't really think, you don't feel like you have to think about this because all you're focusing on is what I'm doing right now and you've got to have dreams and you've got to have aspirations because you've got to, you've got to know that you want to do this um, because it is hard. As I say, having fulfillment alongside this career is so important and again, not taking your worth as an actor from being the jobs that you do is so important. Challenging yourself in as many ways as you can, being brave, not comparing yourself to other people because trust me good friends of mine who have been at the top of their game have really struggled with things and and they're, they've still got the same worries as you 
um, you think you, you think you see them living this life that you want to live, especially with the advent of social media. Well, to the extent it is today, it's it's impossible to get away from those thoughts. And but everybody's thinking those things, and they you can't you can't ever become successful enough or have enough money that you do stop feeling these things. So I suppose the idea of having a life alongside this life is, I think, very very valuable. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about your um, your passions outside of, of theatre. Yeah. Um, what are you What are you into? What are you, what are you, oh, what are you into? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, music. A first is a staple because music was the foundation of my performing. And you've got an EP. I've got an EP. 2017. Yeah. And do you want to plug it? Because so, I found it on Spotify. And, you know, I was like, so... Like, I, um, I, you know, it was one of those things. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Because why not? And I'm so glad I did. It's one of these, just challenge yourself. and Just do it. Um, I was playing Johnny Cash. And we had a little extension. My friends on the show had uh, their own uh, products. They've been releasing their own albums and EPs that they've done alongside. And were they allowed? to sell them outside like, yeah we were f- the no we were we were we were contractually allowed to um we had to do it uh, within the theater guidelines so yes. it was specific to each theater but um and they took a cut and all that stuff but um and it was up to us how we wanted to sell it if we wanted to be with them or just have it out front of house and cool. um, i struggled going out front of house so i was nervous <laughs> <laughs> so i just loved it but i'm shy i'm shy, I'm shy. don't okay. look at me don't look at me <laughs> but um, i loved it and i so basically yeah i got a studio Picked five songs, one of them being my own, which was just a folk song I'd written. Uh, and we went to Soup Studios when it was in its old in, in East London, and it was the, one of the best days ever. We just booked out for the day. Phil Warson, who was my producer, who was on Million Dollar Quartet with me, brought in some musician friends, and we just we just had a sing the whole day, and it was brilliant. Amazing. And it was real analog, old school uh, studio. Everything's through a tape deck. It was it was it was something you would do again. One billion zillion percent. And I, I, and I, one of the things I do, like we were talking about, is write my own music. And, uh, I'm not very good at covering other people's stuff because I'm like, well, I, why am I doing this? They did, they did it better. <laughs> and, and the only reason I would if, is if I, if I loved the music or, um, it meant something to me. But I love writing my own music and I'm, I'm certainly learning. I'm certainly learning how to do it better and better. But, uh, that's what I would love to record next. So some of my own stuff. You've got an EP. Um, but I need I need a violinist and maybe maybe an accordion and a cello and uh, a baran player maybe. Okay. If, if anyone's available. Yeah, behindtheprocess@gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. You can uh, you can uh, get in touch. So other than music, are you, uh, are, you are you still into rugby? Oh, do you remember I was into rugby? Yeah, um, I love rugby. I love sp- I mean I love a few sports, rugby and football. They're, they're sort of the things that get you through the weekend and you can look forward to yeah. watching between a show and um do you know what i think it's really good like when you are stuck in a bubble particularly and i mean this with all the love cause yeah i love doing pantomime but you know if you're doing two three shows a day the one thing that my I goodness yeah was being able to switch off for a little bit and go and do something else. yes and um football is a great one for that even if it's just like listening to a game on the radio or something you just you just remember this other world outside this little industry you're in that that is like so massive yeah absolutely and i i i'm maybe because i'm old now but i love to shut off between shows and sorry i'm not old (laughs) i think i'm older than you though Uh, no i don't feel old 
I feel I feel old when you know it, comparatively, but again, it's this warped view of yourself you have in this industry, where you're where you're going, oh look how young and you know fit and flexible they are. And on, in the stage this week, again, this is dating the podcast, but um, <laughs> there was a thing saying, you know, they, it, it's almost like the industry has an obsession with new things. Yes, it's like oh, new I things. saw that, yeah, and um, you know, it's it's a hard one to overcome. It's, um, it's like everybody wants to find the next big thing. Everyone's in a race to find the next big thing at the moment, which uh, yeah, it's sad, but it's great for graduates. And But I, I suppose maybe in a cynical way to look at it as well, as graduates can be exploited. <laughs> exploited. <laughs> well, no, it's true. It's true. I think, and I think most people would agree with that. Yeah. Do you, um, just kind of having a think about you as a person, mm. what makes you happy? My moments of happiness. Yeah. I'm quite, I'm quite simple. I'm quite a simple man. I'm a confused man, but I didn't I'm want to say that. <laughs> I like, uh, I like gaming, mm-hmm. but I only do it very, very briefly because I can get really obsessed. And then I am currently playing. I've just finished God of War. Very late, but uh, <laughs> I've come off FIFA because that was just, it was, yeah. It, you, you, you lost track of time and, and rationality and <laughs> out of nowhere it's 4.30 in the morning yeah. <laughs> and you're shouting at a French kid who's like 12 like. you've just been beaten by Lake Norian yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like to distract myself so I mean I, I love going to films scene. I went to Death of a Salesman last night which this will come out too late for it probably yeah. well, you can always recommend it well it was, it was incredible one of the best things I've ever seen um, I like having things to look forward to like that. So that's, that's, I give, but I also just love having my own time and my own space. Is there anything that you wish you had more of in your life or anything that, you know, thinking back that you, we, I tend not to talk about regrets or anything in the podcast because yeah. I think it's. Because all your decisions make you who you are and all that. But yeah. is there anything that you, when you look back or you're looking forward that you would like to change about your life rather than just your career? That's a very good question. That's a big question. Yeah. I don't have regrets. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I, I'm very lucky to be where I am. I, it's hard. I move, moving away from my family, that was hard because it's a, and all my old friends, that's always a sacrifice people have to make. And, uh, as the older you get, the, the more you realize, you know, those were important connections that are hard to lose. And actually you realize the benefits of having those, those community feelings, especially where I'm from. Mm. Um, I certainly wish I had kept up this kind of confidence. I always used to have this amazing confidence in myself that I would just be able to do things and that sort of just didn't have to worry about it too much. And I think that can be naive at times, but uh, I, I think I got a bit bogged down getting older because you start, everything gets a bit grayer and you start questioning yourself and com- again, comparing yourself. I think social media is a wonderful thing, but also so damaging if you use it badly yeah. or invest too much in it yep. in its worth. So I wish I wish I'd I, w- I, w- I wish I was able to keep this level of uncaring. When do you think that changed? I weirdly enough, I mean, obviously, any time out of work, I've had a couple of years out of work, which are always hard. You've got and you've got to you've got to find a way to pace yourself through those things and keep yourself uh, invested and working and interested and. Uh, confident. I think that had an impact. Funnily enough, when I got Johnny Cash, uh, I just come out of Billy Elliot. I was in great shape and I was feeling confident. I felt really good about myself. And I got, I, I certainly rest, as I said, rested on my lowers a little bit. And I, and not, not in terms of performing every night 
I, I loved being on that character in the stage, but I sort of thought, oh, well, here, I've sort of made it. I can sort of relax a little bit. And I came out of it, uh, and it's something I'm still fighting today, and I came out of it, and I stopped. I suddenly realized I'd stopped getting far in auditions and things that I thought I'd be right for, and uh, I'd struggled getting auditions for things I thought I'd be right for, and uh, my confidence sharply took a downturn, like quite sharp. And I didn't realize it until sort of looking back now, the last year or so. I'd stopped focusing on other things that I loved. I stopped playing music and I stopped uh, challenging myself in other ways. And it's a downward spiral. And you just it's very easy to spiral. Yeah, it really is easy to spiral, and you and you've got to have you've got to have resilience in yourself. You, I mean, when it comes to your own individual progression, you've got to be willing to make uh, important decisions for yourself and sacrifices. And if you want to improve, you've got to want to. But you've also got to accept yourself where you are. It's great if you can have a community around you that helps you and lifts you up and you've got to know who those people are that you can turn to. Mm. Um, I'm not saying you have to have loads of people that are here for you all the time, but even one or two people that just know, that just know what you're going through. And, and yes, exactly. And awareness is a big thing. and It seems to be, fortunately, a growing thing, both in actors who are working and actors who aren't. You know, we need to look out for each other. We Absolutely. We support each other and... Like there's people who have kind of gone off the radar a little bit um, in terms of people I've worked with in shows before. Again, people we went to college with, and sometimes yeah. I, I think we just need to check in again because um, where am I going with this? I, I, I just think I, as actors, it's it's important because it is such a a, a lifestyle which continuously changes and. You know, if you get your closing notices, you could be out of a job really quick. Yeah, and then... You have to look out for each other. One one thing certainly I've learned is not... Uh, uh, it's, it's Just thinking ahead to the next job is so... It's exhausting. And so... And also, the more you think about it, the more, you know, desperate you want it, the, you know, the... <laughs> The, the less likely you are, I feel, you are to get it because you you can't be as objective and, you know, subjective about how you're performing and you're putting so much pressure on yourself. So having this, what I've tried to do now, and I've had this idea in the head as my own little thing, my own little commercial show or show like you do, yeah. um, just something that takes my mind out of, out of this industry a bit and I can actually have a bit more control of myself and... Uh, I've got people around me who are, want to help me with that kind of thing and have inspired me to do this stuff. So actually just saying, just do that for a while. And actually, if these other things happen, that's fine. But you've got something here that you can control and you can you can make around yourself. And that's awesome. Because if you make something, um, that is... And yes, it's hard to put on in front of people because, I mean, how exposing is that? But, um, yeah. I mean, you, you do that with your own stuff. You, you're it's, it's, it, it takes a lot of courage and even... It's kind of when we were talking about the super fans, you know. It, you can, people can love it, but you can still be very self-conscious about yeah. it. Yeah. And I, every time I do the show, I'm, I'm fortunate enough in that I can change it. And I can always change the set list because, like you, I write music, I write arrangements. Yeah. So if a certain arrangement's not working, then I'll rewrite the arrangement before the next show. Um, but you never lose that kind of, it's, something's not quite right there. You know, there's but you, no and you shouldn't either. Well, you know, because there is no such thing as perfect. Exactly. And like, and that, and the moment you accept that, that's fine. And the moment you accept that about this whole industry, mm. that nobody is perfect, and your performances will never be perfect. And it's it's and the moment you actually accept that, 
uh, and let yourself. But really, though. But really, really though, though, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is freeing. Yeah. So just uh, kind of rounding up a little bit. Yeah. The uh, first question is: Have you got any questions for me? Yeah, Gary, Jerry, how do you maintain your beautiful blonde hair? Um, well, I use head and shoulders. Um, Not going grey at all yet, which is good. Yeah, no, it's lovely. Well, I am. Um, I've got a few in there. Yeah, do you, you don't dye it though. No, I don't dye it. Beautiful locks. No, Why I'm, did you decide to go longer with your hair? Uh, I thought. Well, after I finished playing Johnny Cash, and yeah. I and uh, I was like, do you know what? I need to rebrand a bit. <laughs> so this is the new, this is the new Robert Downey. I've always wanted to, and in Sunday afternoon, I did it a bit, and I was like, I quite like this. Yeah, it's good and look. I thought, and then I found out they were putting Lord of the Rings. Uh, Amazon were doing a Lord of the Rings here, and I was like, well, I've got to get get it logged <laughs> just in case my top role of playing young Aragorn <laughs> is finally <Yeah>. nigh. <laughs> uh, but I'm still waiting for the call. Um, well, still time. But I love it. I love. If yeah, absolutely. It's still. In, I, I love having long hair, and it's also I've just wanted to do it. So I was like, do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And luckily, my agent was like, yeah, you go for it. <laughs> um, yes, Gary. Do you? Are you? We actually first met before Art said. By the way, we met at we met at Spotlight. Oh, no, was it was it, it was uh, it was some kind of funding thing. We yes, it was. We had to audition, and we met there. And also Caroline Bateson was there as well, and. Uh, we got chatting because we both had accepted Art's Head, I think, at the That's time. Right. And I was sat there waiting to sing, and I was watching everybody perform. And then I got the tap on the shoulder from this girl beside me, and she was like, "Excuse me, can you stop breathing out your nose because it's really off-putting?" <laughs> and then the girl on the other side of me leant in and was like, "Yeah, it's really loud." Oh. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh, that was um, the uh, the one that I absolutely just was terrible. It, it was dreadful. Oh really? Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, that's for another podcast, I think. Yeah. So, to finish off, um, we talked about where we were 10 years ago. Yes. Where do you want to be in 10 years' time? I want to be more sure of... No, I'm not going to say that. I, I want to be more in control of my situation, I think. And that that's coming probably from where I am right now. And are you on the way there? Or yes. Or do you feel it's still a little distance? I think there's still a little distance, but I'm making changes in my life now that I know maybe not won't impact immediately, but in the long term will. And it's just about, you know, embracing everything and challenging yourself. And so I hope I'm a bit more in control. And also with a house on a beach somewhere. Lovely. Yeah. And um, give us your best bit of advice. So imagine there's someone about to start Art Ed. Yeah. Um, what would you... And they said, Robbie, you've done all of this. You've been amazing. What Thank do I you. Get, how, do, how do I get through it? I would say to you, be brave. Be brave. Don't stifle what you want to bring. To, don't, don't let that be stifled by other people just focus on what you can bring to this world and to your own life and trust that